Um, I really want to demystify what compassion can be in anybody's life around the world. Are you looking for something different, something new? And are you ready to be that change you wish to see in the world, but you don't really know how? Well, then this is definitely a podcast for you. My name is Anne-Therese, and I'm here to awaken that curious mindset of yours. And together, we will put things in a different light and try to find happiness in new realities. Because you know what? We can change the world. You and I, and we can feel absolutely awesome doing it. So I guess my only question is, are you ready? Are you ready to embrace change? Hi and welcome back. Today we are connecting two dots on a map because I'm calling out from Hamstad, Sweden to a Luke who is in Tucson, Arizona. And him and I connected only a few days ago over Instagram because I woke up and someone had just liked a bunch of my pictures. So I went to his Instagram and his organization called The Good Elephant just really piqued my interest. So I sent him a message saying, hey, can you please share a bit more about yourself? And he instantly replied with, hi, Therese. That's funny. I was just about to reach out to you too. Turns out he wanted to write an article about me for his website. And I said, yeah, of course, but only if I can interview you for my podcast. So here we are. And I obviously don't really know this man, but I felt like our conversation could just go on forever. Alok has so much wisdom to share and... At times, I honestly got goosebumps from what he had to say. So make sure to stick through till the end. And who knows, maybe this is the one episode that will actually change your life. Enjoy. All right, welcome to my first ever overseas interview for my podcast. Um, I am sitting here talking to Alok Apodarei, who is the founder of GoodElephant.org and a certified holistic self-compassion coach specializing in anxiety, depression, addiction, and self-doubt. He's also a do-good business and branding consultant and a feminist, sober, vegan dad. I mean, wow. Am I honored or what to have you on the phone? Hi, Alok. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I mean, it's um, it's funny because I think I've never met you. We've never spoken before. We reached out to each other about four days ago over Instagram. And I woke up and some account, I just liked a bunch of my pictures. I'm like, hmm, good elephant. I like elephants, but who is this? And whatever you was, seemed to be doing sound awesome. So I reached out and said, hey, can you please just introduce a little bit about what you're doing and you were like wow I was just about to write to you too so here we are and um, I want to just add to that intro a chance for us to really get to know you so please tell us if you were a spice which one would you be and why uh, I absolutely love this question uh, so I would be turmeric uh, turmeric is a wonderful anti-inflammatory uh, spice that helps the body in so many ways. And when I look at what's happening in the world, we have so much cultural inflammation going on that's leading to division and separation um, and a lot of the mental health challenges. And often, um, if we can theoretically turn down the inflammation in our bodies and in our minds, a huge amount of transformation is possible. So, so turmeric would be my spice. Wow. <laughs> wow. That was a really elaborate answer. I love it. <laughs> and I actually happen to really love turmeric as well. So good, good answer. <laughs> Thanks. Um, please. I know. Okay. So the reason I was so um, interested in what you were doing, because you have this organization called the Good Elephant. And um, would you please just share a little bit of insight of what that is and what you're doing and why you started this project? 
Good Elephant is a global community of people who care about compassion, sustainability, and service to others. It's a really in inspiring group of people who care about a lot of the core values that I really hold dear. Uh, Good Elephant started out of many previous projects that I had done. The last one was Fed by Threads, which was an uh, ethical clothing company that curated American-made sustainable brands, and it fed people in need across the country. I'd also launched a book project called The Bodies of Mothers, a uh, book project Project, which was about changing mass media's imagery of women and, and particularly mothers uh, and body image issues. So a lot of these core themes for me underlying all of my decisions and all of my work were sort of this notion of sustainability and serving. But at the root of it, I noticed that while people can be incredibly compassionate to others, so many people are incredibly hard on themselves. And so I really decided I wanted to bring in that notion of self-compassion. Can you say to yourself what you would hope a dear friend would say to you as you're going through the daily challenges of your life? So Good Elephant secretly is actually a global mental health project, but we do it through the exciting shared lifestyle of these core values. And then from there, I'm going to have the Good Elephant uh, – School for Amazing Impact, and that will be actual global training platform where anyone can gain these, first and foremost, these skills about compassion, and then secondly, actual project building for Do Good, which is the other side of things I enjoy. Um, we're also doing Good Elephant Ethical Coffee. We'll have a Good Elephant uh, Baby Stuffed Animal, which is absolutely adorable. I just got uh, my first uh, prototype of that. So there's a ton of things that Good Elephant's going to do, including trips, um, but that root notion is simply a coming together, a creation of a global herd of people around the world who care about the same things that I do. Wow. I mean, I'm looking at your website right now and it says, we need a compassion revolution. And I could not agree more. That's just on point. It's and, and to follow up on that, it's, you know, it's really bringing compassion into a modern dialogue for the masses. Mm -hmm. So I think all too often, sort of the term compassion for many people may be associated with, oh, I've got to be someone who meditates or, you know, I've got to be a follower of a particular religion, maybe either Christianity or Buddhism that sort of have this kind of term of compassion laced into it. And with Good Elephant, I really want people to see that compassion is accessible to anybody anywhere in the world and particularly the tools of self-compassion where you actually begin to judge yourself less harshly actually are what set up you making your greatest impact in the world, right? So like if you think about it, if you're really brutal on yourself and you think that's actually going to motivate you to work harder and do more and save more people, it actually is the exact opposite. So compassion really are these, these simple tools um, for how you speak to yourself, how you relate to your own self, and then by extension, what are the quality of the relationships you're in? And I just wrote a piece about marrying yourself first, mm -hmm. and it's in response to the notion of you know high divorce rates and all these other things. So um, I really want to demystify what compassion can be in anybody's life around the world. Wow, I absolutely love that because that's what I'm talking about too in my course, my step to change, which is like first step is really about just realizing that you deserve to be happy. And I think we just, we always miss that first step. It's like you can't help anybody else if you haven't helped yourself first. So what you're talking about, about being self-compassionate, it's so important, but people keep forgetting that most vital part. And you can't ever change the world. You can't ever change other people's lives if you haven't, you know, changed the life for yourself first. So. And I, I may make an addition there. I think actually it's not even that people forget. I actually think, sadly, 97% of educational systems never actually teach these truths. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I love your concept of retruthing that you'll probably get into a little later. But it, so we are actually laying truths on people that they've never been exposed to either in school. And the reality is that their parents actually probably weren't raised by parents who understood self-compassion um, either. So in many ways, we're actually bringing these truths to them, this compassion revolution to them for many people for the very first time. Wow. 
Yeah, I mean, you you did touch upon my own word, retruthing, which is, I'm, I realized the same thing, is that we are grown up, you know, taught up by people who doesn't, they are living out of their truths, who have been, you know, brought up by their parents or their communities. So if we never take a step out and look at it and be like, hey, what are we doing? Like, what are we operating from? You're just going to keep going in the same in the same path and never find new realities. We're never going to find a better future because we keep operating from old truth, which is why I created Retruthing. And it's all about just being open to the fact that how we've thought about things up until now might not be, you know, right. Or we, there might be better ways of being or thinking about ourselves in the world. And if we can just be open to that unknown, there are ways to really implement change and see ourselves in better futures. So thank you for bringing my word up. I'm really proud of it. Um, and yeah, retruthing is brilliant. Um, I, I can actually give you a specific example. My girlfriend, Brooke Axtell, who works with survivors of rape, sexual assault, and human sex trafficking, um, she is a really amazing resource for me. As And as she's listening to my own life, you know, she'll say to me, Alok, these people have been lying to you about your own capabilities uh, about what your potentialities are and that was revolutionary and uh, you know I've been doing good work for a long time and I've faced a lot of hurdles as everyone does and so this notion that you're saying that you know the people around us are often functioning in the, only the truths that they've learned um, we do have to go through a retruthing process um, and it's not about sort of just denying anybody's critiques, but it is to come to your core truth of what you believe to be true about yourself and to define it and then redefine it um, through the tools that you and I um, are putting out into the world, which is amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, because what is your, because what you're saying right now is that, I mean, so when, when you, okay, it's, it's one thing to be open to something new, you know? which is step one in your, um, you have the good elephant three-step process to change the world, which I just love that. But step number <laughs> one is education of self. And, you know, that's brilliant. But so when you, but one, once you've gained that new knowledge, how do you actually take it to heart? Instead of being defensive, which is, I think is easy to be because someone is coming to you or you might find new facts or um, learning new truths, if you want to put it that way. And so how do you actually let go of all the old beliefs and take it to heart and be like, okay, let's implement this and let's change the way I move forward? Because I think this that's the, sometimes the hardest part for people. This is a great question. And so uh, I've been working with clients one-on-one -on -one for years and watching this very process of transformation that you're talking about is one of the most amazing parts of my life. Um, so... I tell people my original transformation story, which was frankly, um, this was actually in the depths of my lifestyle that I did not like. Uh, I was a highly consumptive um, omnivore. I ate whatever I wanted. It was all about being a foodie and going to the you know fancy restaurants and you know it's all these aspirational ideas about living that were the norms of society, right? Like if you had achieved certain um, career and stature, uh, you were entitled and, and encouraged to, you know, aim for a big house, live in a, you know, a fancy lifestyle, drive a fancy car and eat whatever you wanted, uh, with no record, you know, no concern for what impact it may make in the world. And in my mid twenties, I started to have this wake up call that I was the problem that so many of the problems that I saw in the world were directly related to the choices I was making. Mm -hmm. Now, that is what I call, and, and part of my book is the notion of a death, a birth, and changing the world, and that's my Good Elephant book that'll be coming out later in 2017, is that there is a little bit of a death that occurs um, where you, you something inside you realizes, wow, that former self who just blindly functioned like that um, might have to go away in order for this birth of this new person. Um, and so that's a little uncomfortable. And so I walk people through, you know, yes, you acknowledging that you have some changes to make that would benefit the world and benefit yourself is a little uncomfortable. And then the next step that is so vital 
is I say to people, you don't have to change everything all at once. The more important piece is to create a snowball that starts getting bigger. So to find one, and I talk about dominoes. Um, Dominoes are fascinating. Dominoes can knock over another domino that's 50% larger than Mm -hmm. itself. Right, so if you if you line up dominoes that keep getting fifty percent bigger, and you knock over that first tiny one, you'll n- eventually knock over the big one just by the nature of the momentum. Right? right. So, in my case, it was, can I go vegetarian? And and I literally said to myself, I think this is impossible. This was in my mid twenties, about <laughs> you know ten fifteen years ago. I think this is impossible. I will not do this. I probably will fail. I'm desperate to try to change my life. I'm going to attempt it. And if I fail, I'll just go back to this old way of life and just say, well, I tried. And so I was like, I'll go vegetarian for one month. And if I don't die, uh, you know, I might keep going with this thing. If I don't die, I love it. Okay. Right. And I literally, that was the joke that I made with myself. And it was kind of a deal. It was kind of a joke. And I went with it. And I didn't die. <laughs> and um, it actually turned out to be way easier. And I'm not sitting here telling people, oh, you must go vegetarian or, or whatnot. But I am suggesting, you know, find that one opening, mm-hmm. make that one change for some limited time period, right? And you'll actually show yourself, wow, I could make that change. If I can make that change, then I began to change the size of the house that I needed. I decided to change the clothing that I was wearing and start sourcing it better. I started going to farmer's markets more. Um, That's also led me on the process of beginning to go sober and address my addictions and why was I actually killing myself, right? Because that's the core question is why are people killing themselves and killing the world? And we can change that. So that led me then eventually to taking the next step and going vegan. And and all of it, though, didn't just happen overnight. Um, now, what I do tell people is through through coaching and working with someone like me or with you, you don't have to take 10 years to go through that process. But the main thing to, to demystify for people is really that it's A, a simple process of of small baby steps of change and then be the other most important thing this is this is vital is shifting the notion in their mind of sacrifice so they see it as giving up all these various elements of their lifestyle that they really like and what i want people to see is you're actually gaining Like you and I connected. Why? Because we have shared incredible lifestyle and desires about the world that are fantastic. They're in they're they're energizing, right? Like that's where you and I function. And when we meet people like each other who are doing work that matters, like we don't waste our time on drama and negativity and self-doubt and, you know. Yeah, we don't have the time for that. We don't <laughs> have the time, world? right? <laughs> As you said to me in one of your messages, you know, when I asked about your partner or this, that, you said, yeah, it's amazing, you know, but I'm swamped, right? So we don't have the time for that stuff. I know. We don't um, have time for so drama. as to make this transformation, they'll actually realize they gain they gain community, they gain lifestyle, they gain activities to do, right? So that's, I think, the biggest thing is take baby steps and see that you're gaining rather than losing. I mean, I just want to add to this because I'm getting goosebumps. Like, everything you're saying is so <laughs> legit. I mean, I remember when I first started thinking about what am I, why am I eating, eating animals? I was, you know, a gym junkie and I had all these protein shakes every day and I only ate, like, chicken and meat and fish and dairy like no grains whatsoever because I was like dangerous in my world so <laughs> it was like a big step for me to be like holy wait wait a second eat potatoes or like not eat me what, what am I trying to do here but yeah like you said I, t- I took one baby step at a time and then it took me three months to go from that to fully vegan because I realized I was gaining things and people keep saying like oh you don't know what you're missing out on I'm like I ate meat and fish and all that for 23 years of my life. I know what I'm missing out on. Like, it's not that I don't know what I can't eat. But what people don't realize is that I'm a bigger foodie than ever. I love food and I eat all the time. But it's just like every meal now is just such an enjoyment. Because I feel like I'm being a hero with everything I'm eating. Like, every choice I'm making, like, food-wise, I'm making a better statement for this planet. So if that is not, you know, value, if anything else, I don't know what to say. (laughs) 
and and what's really amazing in the food space is you know I've certainly gone on a certain path that is shared with you. We've made certain choices regarding animals and our bodies and the world. And what I've also done is I'll say to – because I recognize that 98% of my friends and family um, you know, still are going to be meat and fish eaters. So with them, I'll say, okay, you know, let's create a reasonable set of thoughts about that choice. And I'll say to them, you know, if that's still a lifestyle that you're going to hold on to, rather than fight you on that, I'm first and foremost going to tell them you do not need – factory farmed animal products to live. Not one of my friends will die if they get rid of factory farmed, you know, hell-based animal products, right? So it's it creates like, okay, maybe you eat it a little less often. Maybe you go and meet farmers that are raising it. And again, I know a lot of my very, very militant vegan friends are like, oh, look, you cannot talk about that. And I'm like, listen, We've got to be real about the world we live in. We live in a world of meat and fish eaters and dairy product eaters. So can we do our bit to help build bridges with them that begin a transformation in the outcomes of those choices that they're making? Mm -hmm. And that begins a process because what we are trying to do and what we're really talking about here is we're talking about building heart connections. All social good, every element of social and environmental good, every project you witness at its core has people who their hearts are connected to the trees, the oceans, um, the refugees, the racial injustice, the plight of women. Um, all of these at the root is does it touch your heart? So to just tell people they're wrong in their choice, you, you can say that all you want, right. but you're most likely not going to touch their heart. So my goal is find that opening that begins to have their heart connect to something a little bit more because that process can begin, you know, as I started thinking about food, mm -hmm. you know, I see so many vegan foodies but when I look at the clothing they're wearing, it's all sweatshop clothing, right? right? And I'm like, where's the alignment there? You're, you're still this fashionista who only cares about fashion. And look at the stories because, because of my work in ethical fashion, wh when I look at garments, I hear the voices of the people that made that garment woven into that garment. Mm -hmm. And so what are the stories that our food are telling? What are the stories that our clothing are telling? Um, they're powerful stories. And my, my father wrote a book called The Social Life of Things back in 1986. He's a global anthropologist. And when we look at the social life inside of the things that we consume, um, they either tell incredible stories about a better world or they tell a story about continued uh, conflicts and problems that are existing in the world. Yeah. And I mean, when you, when you do talk about the clothing industry, when I first became a vegan, I knew like somewhere in the back of my head that I should probably care about the clothing as well, but it was too much for me to take it at once. That's right. So that's where you get back to like, take it in baby steps. So that's right. When, when I first masters, like, okay, now I'm like fully vegan. I love the food I'm eating. Now I'm moving into the clothing industry and I'm realizing, wow, I cannot support this anymore. I don't remember the last time I went to a fast fashion store. I bought anything. I buy anything, everything vintage or like trying to just wear whatever I have, you know, realizing I really don't need that much clothes to be happy. But I, I do agree that you like keep moving all the time. Like Make baby steps, but never stop. Keep evolving. Keep being curious. Keep wanting to learn new things and be like, how can I be even more compassionate? How can I be even more happy? Because, you know, going back to the first step is that we're not acting from guilt. We're not acting from a state of being like, oh, I should do this and that. But, but rather be like, if I can improve myself even more, I'm going to be even happier and even more fulfilled. Um, and that's I mean, really that self-compassion coming in. And I love how you just couched your own uh, process, right? Which is you said, look, you know, I've made this substantial change on the food side. It's opening my eyes to 
other realms and I know that I'm getting there and I'm making and rather than beat yourself up and say, yeah, I'm making good choices on food, but I'm, I'm a horrible person in the clothing that I'm wearing, right? Like mm-hmm. that's, that, that lacks self-compassion for where you're headed and instead it really loved yourself in that moment to acknowledge that you're learning, right? right? You're giving yourself credit for the first step is the learning and then the change of action happens over time. Um, so um, a, a key lesson that I got from my mother who passed away from, from cancer was, you know, she, she once she saw me going through a project that I was doing a, in alternative biofuels and um, it was really struggling. It was during the financial crisis of 2008 and, and she saw me struggling, right, and, and pretty depressed about what was happening. And she essentially kind of like smacked me, you know, verbally. She was like, Alok, you're missing the whole ride. You're missing everything you are accomplishing. Look at the team you've put together. Look at all the people you've brought on board, all the stakeholders in government and community and society to get behind shifting waste into fuel. Like, wow. yeah. this is amazing. You're, you're not seeing any of it. And I never have made that mistake since then. So to continuously take stock of those micro steps in the right direction and to get some joy out of them. I was just working with a client. This is amazing. This story is amazing. She had, from our first conversation, we're not even started our sessions, but she just was engaging me because she knew I worked with addictions. And from our first session, to uh, from our first phone call to our first session, she stopped smoking cigarettes. Wow. So she, sh- I sh- showed up to the session thinking that's where we were going to begin was this exploration of the tobacco mm-hmm. for her. And she shows up and she says to me, I haven't had a cigarette since we talked on the phone. Wow. And I said to her, <laughs> you've already embraced your transition. You've already begun to say that you don't want to kill yourself anymore. Wow. Like, okay, we're starting here. This is amazing. But here's the thing. She could not smile about the gravity of quitting cigarettes. She, like she couldn't actually take pleasure in that yet. And I told her, I said, you're making the good decision. Your next evolution is to enjoy the fact that you're making that good decision. And we actually had a laugh about the fact that she couldn't enjoy. Wow. Um, yeah. By the end of our third session, I said to her, listen, even though you can't take pleasure in these positive changes because she had stopped smoking pot by our second session. Um, and I, so we joked and I said, you know, even though you're unable currently still to give yourself the self-compassion to enjoy these really incredible transformations you're going through, I looked at her, I said, can you at least say to me that you are a woman who is making choices to change your life? And right there, her body language shifted. She softened. There was even a slight hint of a smile because she realized that she could admit. She could admit that she's a woman who's making decisions that in a long history of women is empowering herself and taking control of her own destiny. And that's amazing. Wow, that's oh, that's such a great story. And I, I can only relate to myself in so many ways. It's so easy to always think about the next hurdle and the next step you want to take and all the, the, the long route we have ahead of us. Instead of being like, and what you're saying is the, the thoughts we put in our heads and the, the things we tell ourselves on a daily basis is really just going to, you know, say what life we're living and it's so easy because I remember my mom was telling me a similar thing she's like Therese you can't carry the world on your shoulders you can't save the world I'm like but I want to she's like yeah that's great but you have to also just be happy in doing it you know don't be desperate and don't don't be um I, mean, I can't really find the word I'm looking for but it's just so easy to just always be hard on ourselves instead of being like okay I'm taking baby steps but today I decided not to use that plastic straw for my smoothie you know or i didn't put a lid on my coffee and just knowing that okay that's a tiny tiny step but at least i'm doing what i can do in this very moment to make a better impact and And let's let's couch that though let's couch that because actually those tiny sets of choices are actually part 
of a much broader worldview that you're embracing. Mm -hmm. And so much is capable um, out of that broader worldview. And that is what Good Elephant is, which is, you know, I want people to be really excited about making positive contributions and to be surrounded by people who are making positive contributions in lots of different ways because that expands our worldview. Um, so maybe there's someone else um, you're sitting at lunch with who is like, no, actually, no straws, please. Thank you. And or, you know, or you are able to model that, right? Like you make the place the order. They're going to bring it out. Would you like lids? No, no, neither of us will have lids. And your friend might look at you and you're like, yeah, we don't need a lid. You know, let's just walk holding it carefully and it's no big deal. Right. And all of a sudden you've planted that micro seed of change in their existence. Mm -hmm. um, and, and definitely to not beat ourselves up, but to um, take enjoyment that we, all these choices, no matter what we think about them, they have effects around the world. That's... That's the fact of the matter. We live in a globalized world where things are interconnected, right? So by beginning to change our food, change our housing, change our clothing, right? Food, clothing, shelter, the basic necessities of human existence, um, we are impacting people's lives for the better. And, and to get to your point um, about the sort of negativity side, I actually just was in a, a very large um, – piece of conflict with a friend of mine yesterday, amazing, amazing friend of mine who's doing incredible work with women and water and refugees, and but she's also incredibly entrenched in those um, realities. And she got very frustrated that I didn't care in the same way about refugees as she does. And she conflated that with me not caring about them at all. And I had to tell her and that I'm right now... I'm full. I'm fully going at this work from my angle. And I'm so grateful that you're going at your work from your angle. We are allies. But sadly, people can get competitive about good. Not that she was intentionally doing that. But it's almost like if you don't care about what I care about, there's something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. And what I really want people to see is let's find our similarities in social humanitarian environmental good rather than our differences because we're such a small sliver of the world right now right yeah. so let's join together even if we differ a little bit let's let's find our connections as allies and i mean if anything because this is like if you want to try to save everything in the world and work for every cause you get overwhelmed and you get paralyzed you can't do it all but if you can pick one thing that's very close to your heart, like I'm very passionate about mother nature and animals and people come to me like, what about the starving children in Africa? I'm like, of course, I care about them, too, but I can't do it all. You know, you have to pick your thing and hope that someone else is picking theirs. So I think instead of being like competitive, like you're saying, to be like, oh, that's awesome. I'm so glad that you're working, you know, on saving the kids or the children in Africa and I can work on my project. And together we are helping the world on a broader spectrum. <laughs> And what's very interesting on that point is I will also challenge them um, in that moment while, while, while they're challenging you about why aren't you doing something for children in Africa, which has become this sort of ubiquitous example of suffering, right, is these, these brown kids in very, very faraway lands. And I would say, what are we doing for the children in Sweden who are struggling and suffering and not having enough? or the children in other parts of Europe. Like, we don't have to go very far to find suffering. No. And so I welcome people to not externalize their imagination for where suffering and injustice occurs. It is happening in every city around the world. There is There are needs right in people's own backyards. Um, so if their cause is children in Africa, wonderful. Go do work there. Um, but they can also begin to take some responsibility and rather than critiquing you for what you're not doing, we can welcome them into a, a conversation. Oh, well, what are you doing about the children in Africa? I'd love to learn from you. Mm -hmm. And most likely they aren't doing anything um, for the children in Africa. They actually yeah. probably don't care about the children in Africa. They are only actually trying to attack you because you're trying to do something for some creatures. 
Um, the other piece, and, and my girlfriend's great about pointing this out, is that if you take on too much, um, there is compassion fatigue. So you'll burn out. And then you'll be useless. So, um, and then the final point on this is that you care about animals and the environment. Well, if we actually believe on the notion of interconnectivity, all issues will lead back to each other. Um, so it's not hard for you to trace that caring about the environment has the ability to care for children in Africa because children are often the most disproportionately affected by negative outcomes for the environment. Yes. Right? Thank you for bringing so, that up. <laughs> right? So, so I offer to you, start listening to those critiques that people are giving and get all of them yourself. This is your homework, is, is to get all of those critiques preemptively. What are people going to say you're not doing? And find how your work actually does have the potential to connect to them over time. Because they're all connected. Um, human, trafficking is, human trafficking is connected to the food industry, the clothing industry, the appliance industry, right? Like, mm -hmm. you're going to find it. Um, and in my case, compassion, I can lace compassion into a conversation about what anyone could be doing in social good whether they're working on the environment, whether they're working on animals, whether they're working on mental health, whether they're working on physical health. You know, for me, my underlying root cause is to increase compassion in the world. So I can easily tie that in um, to whatever I'm, whoever I'm talking to. So find your bridges because it, it will disarm and dismantle people's um, resistance to you, which leads to their desire to tear you down. And instead, smile offer them compassion and say, that's a great point. And actually, I've really been thinking a lot about the role of the environment and how it negatively affects young people around the world, and particularly women and children, actually, the data shows. And so that's where the more that we do our reading about the um, extended challenges that our core issue actually touches upon, we are prepared to have those conversations. Well, first of all, I'm loving the fact that you're giving me homework, although this is my podcast. <laughs> Great. Thank well, you I come for from that. a lineage of teachers. Learning, right? and, <laughs> and I also want to add to that. That's just it's homework for me, but also for you who listens. Um, pick your cause and, you know, be encouraged. And if you are, you will probably meet those people. But just remember what Alok just told us is that, you know, be educate yourself a little bit and just be like get that give that get back be like well what are you doing or it's actually you know it ties back to this and that and just be happy about whatever you're doing and people can't really get to you it's really hard to you know get to someone who's happy that's all i can say absolutely when you believe in yourself and 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 get a core purpose that brings you joy and begin to shed some of the consumption choices that make you feel bad and create shame and guilt. And that's a lot of the work I do with private clients is unwinding a lot of those stories um, so that they can actually create a path forward. They can't change their past, but they absolutely can shape their future. And that is the most amazing thing. I mean, it's not abstract emotional health work that I'm talking about. It is really concrete um, shifting of the neuroplasticity of your brain to resonate more clearly with positivity and clear action that supports positivity. Um, and when you put those things in place, the naysayers or the haters or the doubters, that's really their own disappointments and their own sadnesses in their own lives being projected onto you. And so don't get defensive. I say this all the time to people who want to do good. Don't, don't get baited by people. Just stay in your truth, smile, and love them <laughs> through right. their critiques. Because it's like the we worst. said at the beginning, they are becoming that, you know, the drama we don't have time for, right? That's right. We don't have a single moment left, right? I, I'm a father of a five-year-old. I run a, a passion project called goodelephant.org. I'm a coach for people helping them transform their lives and a do-good business consultant. And I have a wonderful girlfriend who I love dearly. And then I have family and friends. Where do I have time beyond that for anything else? If, because 
if you actually think about it, any time that I would put into the drama and negativity that's lurking at the surface all the time, it's actually robbing that list of priorities I just gave to you mm-hmm. of my precious time. So that is where a huge transformation can happen for people is to begin to surround yourself with amazing people and fill your time with things that you value. And all of a sudden you realize, I don't have time for the rest of it. <laughs> right. And I mean, I'm just, again, so grateful that although you are so swamped, obviously, I get the chance to talk to someone like you because I'm just inspired all over again to, you know, care about myself and compassion and everything. Uh, thank you so much. I'm. I, we can keep talk, talking for hours, I'm pretty sure. But um, you do have a day. It's already, it's almost, ah. It's only morning in Arizona where you're at. It's getting 5.30 so evening in Sweden. But um, I know you need to get on with your day, so we need to wrap this up shortly. But this podcast is all about, you know, learning how to embrace change. And so I'm going to let you finish off with a few pieces of wisdom. And these are the three final questions I have for you, Alok. Okay, are you ready? Yes. Okay. So number one, why is change important? So change is a, an embracing of the existence that you would have hoped you had lived when you are dying, mm. okay? So if we look at the five main regrets of the dying, there are so many elements that they wish they had done differently. And I, my goal is to help people set up a life, and, and this is what I do in my private coaching, is Let's identify what those regrets might be on your deathbed and let's not have them. Let's make the changes right now that will avoid. So change allows you to get – and so I live in existence and this is pretty intense for people and some people find it kind of morbid. But because of the dramatic changes that I've made in my life, I'm actually no longer afraid of dying. And that is a liberation that is unparalleled. Um, not that I want to die, and, and I actually would feel heartbroken for my son and my father particularly, and then a lot of my loved ones, but I'm actually not afraid of that reality, whereas when I was younger, I was totally terrified of, oh my God, one day I'm going to die, and well, all of a sudden, when you start actually living and making changes that reduce the levels of potential regret in your life, um, you you actually live in a whole different way. Um, and and it's it's fully accessible to anybody. Yeah. You don't have to be a spiritual person necessarily to um, to embrace these things. So so that for me is why change is so important. It, it just reduces the possibility of regret later in your life. I love that. If that's not the right answer, I don't know what. Um, okay. So number two, why do you think then that change is so hard for people? Change overhauling one's life seems mammoth and um, to some degree our lifestyle choices are addictions that grip a hold of our brain and 97% of us have never actually received the tools for changing our lives. So we don't actually have a methodology for thinking about change and so therefore when we just think about changing our lives, it's I mean I literally have, I just had um, an alcoholic client say to me, um, so how do I get out of this abusive domestic violence relationship? And so in our next sessions, I had gone and gotten advice. I found um, domestic violence shelters that could give her an emergency safety exit plan. And it began to give her the concrete path. Now, was she going to trigger that path immediately? No. But you have to have the path in front of you before you can actually go walk it, right? So I think the hardest part I see for people, and, and I fell into this, is asking for help. Yeah. It's And the first part of that is actually saying to your own self, I want some help. And particularly in the United States, we live in this culture where you're supposed to fix yourself. You're supposed to pick yourself up by your bootstraps. You're supposed to work hard and make something for yourself. So there's almost shame in saying, I need help. But those three words, and I say to anybody who's listening to this, 
start just by simply saying, I need help and don't view it as weakness. Actually see it as a step of strength. I love that because my acting coach just uh, taught me that vulnerability is it comes from a, a position of power yes because if you have the courage to be vulnerable you're actually strong and not weak and that's again retruthing because we think that if you're vulnerable you know it's weakness but it's really not so that's a great piece of advice right there yeah i talk about vulnerability as a collective right so it's hard to be vulnerable by yourself mm-hmm. but when you start surrounding yourself by people with people who are okay with being vulnerable and okay holding space for your vulnerabilities of saying what your pieces of shame guilt what your hidden truths are um, that's where the unfolding comes. And I know for me, like the more that I started talking about my sobriety and that path, because I had this incredibly public life, I was doing amazing work, but nobody knew that secretly I was having really destructive habits and I didn't know how to stop. Mm-hmm. And when people actually found out that truth through my pr- path to sobriety, I started having people private message me asking me, how did you do that? Can you help me? I, I don't know what to do and I don't want to live like this anymore. And that gives me goosebumps. And I love those more than anything. I love those phone calls of helping people um, make that particular shift because I know how much hidden guilt. And so to be vulnerable about and I thought people would think less of me by knowing those truths. And actually, they appreciated that I was willing to take the risk to share and be honest. So, yeah, vulnerability as a collective is huge. Especially today with social media, we're supposed to be perfect in, in order like, to, to show yourself it's not perfect because no one is, right? That's um, it's a huge, it's, it's a lot of courage right there. Uh, okay, so one final question then. Uh, what is one thing you've learned from your own changes or transformations in life that you wish you'd known before and that you want to share with others to help them move on with their journeys? I learned that there is an incredible life on the other side, both through the journey of change and then as you've embraced it and on the other side of it. And, uh, you know, again, it's that transformation from thinking that you're having to give up. I mean, I've had people say, Alok, you're a monk. You know, you've given up this, that, this, that, this, that. And, And I just laugh and I'm like, if only you knew how much I've gained. Right. Um, and it's hard to imagine that until, you know, you start going through it and then you see people start changing their body language, changing the way they're talking to themselves, changing what they're putting in their bodies, changing where they spend their money and the, the positive outcomes of the human connections of where they spend their money in these things and connecting and because at the root of it, we, we desire human connection. We desire love. And our society tells us to desire physical goods or looking beautiful or all these things. And really, you know, when I ran Fed by Threads, and it was primarily an ethical women's clothing store, and, and you know, I would dress women every day, and, and I would put them in what I wanted to see them in, regardless of whatever their stories of what they thought about themselves. I didn't care. I didn't care about any of their stories. I actually didn't want to know their stories. I was like, this is going to be an amazing dress on you. You know, go give it a shot. I don't, I don't care your 30 years of narrative of why you can't wear that dress. And you might not even buy this dress, but you're going to have five minutes enjoying yourself because it's going to be an outrageous fit, right? Mm -hmm. And to see their transformation, realizing that style and communication is actually purely a hundred percent driven by how you feel about yourself not about what you're wearing and that is amazing people would say look how can you get away with having mismatched shocks and whatever and i say because i put my chin up my soldier shoulders back and i express myself how i want to express myself and that is accessible to you so it's just sharing with people that A, transformation is completely possible. B, it's not some wishy-washy, abstract, you know, um, process that you have to necessarily either sit sit on a pillow or sit on a tent uh, to do, which is possible. And you can go that route, and that's wonderful. But it's also fully accessible for the mainstream and for the masses um, through concrete behavior changes in communication and, and numerous other elements that um, I work with with my clients. Right. 
Awesome. Thank you so much for those advices. I mean, um, everything you say is just wisdom in itself. Like if you just if you go back to what we talked about, taking things in tiny steps, um, just take one step at a time and you'll eventually head in the right direction, keeping open to new possibilities and wanting to learn more. Really learn how to be self-compassionate and love yourself and realizing that however you feel every day is up to you because it's within yourself and the habits of thinking that you have and how you look at yourself. It's not it's not necessarily about what you're wearing or what you're eating or what you're doing, how much money you have. It's about how you feel about the person you are, right? Um, which is easier, easily, more easily said than done, obviously. But I think and I hope that you who are listening right now is getting at least a few advices from Aluk because, as you can tell, he is a very compassionate being and doing so many great things in this world. So before we uh, close off here today, how can we support you in your project? How can we follow you? How can we connect with you? Absolutely. So for anybody who cares about living with compassion, sustainability, and serving others, come join our goodelephant.org community. It's free. It takes 30 seconds. It's right on the homepage below the, the first primary photo. Uh, you just sign up there. You'll then be involved and have the ability to get involved, volunteer in your countries. Um, and we've got events coming up. we trips planned. So many amazing things with a community of global participants who positively care um, about the things that you care about. So you can find Good Elephant Org on Instagram and uh, Facebook, etc. And then for anyone who wants that private one-on-one -on -one training, you can go to my website, alokapadurai.co. That's A-L-O-K-A-P-P-A-D-U-R-A-I.co. And please reach out to me if you are going through anxiety, depression, body image issues, consistent self-doubt and addictions. Those are really my specialties and um, I can help people change their lives. And again, just say those three words, I need help and it's perfectly okay and I'm, I'm ready to help you. We can work either in person if you're nearby or via Skype or telephone. Wow. Yeah, and I will also include all the links, of course. It's just head over and you know connect with the Luke. Um, so what's on next for you today? What's next up? Oh, from here, uh, I'm going to begin. I've got another interview and I've got to get um, I'm working on actually your article and we'll time that out. And I've got two other articles to begin to get into the system and working with uh, nat naturopaths that are focusing on thyroid and compassion and um, people who are launching a vegan food truck and um, bringing compassion to people that way. So my days are just filled with linking up with amazing people like you for what you're doing in the fashion world. And, and, um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be another amazing, exciting day. And, and I just want to leave people with the notion that it is accessible for you too. Um, you can make a life that you want to lead. Did you get inspired by Aluk? Well, then please head over to his website, goodelephant.org, and sign up to be one of the cool teammates that are going to change this world. And of course, if you want to reach out to him directly, I'm including all the links in the bio or on my website, heychange.net. And if there's someone else like him that you want me to interview, if you are maybe one of them, please reach out. I'm happy to connect with all kinds of amazing people. 